Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, certified conversion copywriter, copy strategist, and founder of Copyworks. Join me each week as I speak with experts in the fields of marketing, copywriting, decision-making, psychology, and more, all with one goal, to help you attract your ideal customers and inspire them to take action. My guest today is David J.P. Fisher, a.k.a. Fish. He is the founder of Rockstar Consulting, and he got his moniker of D-Fish when he played in a band for 10 years, where he got that, <laughs> that nickname. He says he now has a three-year-old and eight-month-old, so his band days are long over. He is an internationally recognized keynote speaker, sales trainer, and business coach. He focuses on bringing the human-to-human back into sales, social media, networking, and entrepreneurship. He's also the best-selling author of 12 books on these same subjects. So today, I get David's take on several topics with a focus on AI, how he sees it shaping marketing and the world, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly of it all. <laughs> Let's jump right in. David Fisher, aka D Fish, what I'm most impressed with your name is that you actually were in a rock band, right? Is that how you got the, the moniker? Not that cool. We were a ska funk band <laughs> back when ska, that's, I'm dating myself back when ska was cool for like one summer. But uh, yeah, playing a band for 10 years. So I, I came, I came upon my nickname legitimately. Oh, that's funny. Because everyone calls themselves rock star. Like that's what you see, you know, all, I mean, just this morning I was talking to somebody and I said, what's your website? And rock star was part of it. And I'm like, okay, I know that this guy was in a band, but you were. So it, Give you legitimacy. <laughs> I've got this the stories and the hearing problems to uh, attest to. Yes, I was I was in a band. It's funny, yeah. But you say it's not something you do right now. But I know that you you've written a ton of books. I have a couple of them. Okay, yeah. cool. So I'm glad somebody bought them. Yeah, and and so it's it's always good to know. Yes, you're buying buying your stuff. But no, I mean, twelve books. I I know authors. I don't know anyone who's written that many. So that's, that's awesome. that means you, you know, smarter people than I, 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 I writing books is kind of like a marathon. You know, when you're done with it, you're like, oh, I could do that again. But then when you're like in the middle, you're like, this is insane. Who, who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> I've heard this from a couple of people, a friend who, who writes finance books. And she says that it kind of gets to be an addiction. Like you, for some reason, she's written, I think, five. I'm not going to lie. There's a, there's a couple book projects in the, in the works. I've got two small children, so I've had to like spread out the, uh, the deadlines, but yeah, there's more coming. That's cool. But yeah, so the, the reason I wanted to talk to you is because we are both posting a lot on LinkedIn about AI, specifically chat GPT. And yesterday I had to really hold back. Somebody had posted about how copywriters should be getting a little bit nervous. I just felt my blood pressure go up and I thought, why am I reacting like this? And then I realized part of it is that not only do a lot of people believe that chat and these AIs are going to replace copywriters, but that it goes back to people thinking anyone could be a copywriter. And so we're just going to right. crap out there. We're going to call it copy and we're going to call it content. And so I wanted to ask you first, what is your kind of overarching perspective? Like, where do you stand with chat GPT as far as market goes. Yeah, for me, and, and let's, I'm going to be very specific to chat GPT, right? Because the whole AI conversation, I mean, this is transformative in ways that we aren't going to understand for years, if not decades. 
I, and I do think that's true. I think very specifically to ChatGPT, it's the first time we've seen a very user-friendly way that these large language models, which are just one kind of AI, are being used to create uh, copy. And I, I think the best uh, description of it was something that I've actually heard from uh, the journalist Ezra Klein, who said they are BS generators and they're taking the the marginal cost of BS down to zero. And that's actually not a like a moral stance. Like it is true, ChatGPT doesn't know what it's saying. It's merely predicting what the next word it thinks should be based on looking at you know millions of you know websites and books and PySeal and stuff from me on the on the web, which I haven't seen a kickback yet for that, but. When we really think about what it is, it, it it's so convincing and it's a great writer because a lot of the structure of writing is kind of, it's not math, but it's, you know, it's structure and there's rules, but there's no context to it. The person who's writing doesn't understand why they're writing it. As somebody once said, you can have a chat GPT response that is so completely persuasive and absolutely wrong at the exact same time. And by the way, chat GPT says that, right? There's all the little asterisks and warnings like this might be wrong. And and because of that, I think it's showing us that, hey, there's really cool things you can do with the technology to create the copy, to create words. But, you know, just words, that's not what communication is, right? Just words. There's a lot more around it. So that's that's my high level approach to it right now. Yeah. And I think what's scary to me is that it seems to have come out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't hear anything about it. And then I heard like there was like one post on LinkedIn about it. Then there was another one that people arguing. And then I'm reading articles and it's like, what happened? Where did this even come from? It, it wasn't an all of a sudden thing. Like, did it seem? These models have been in development for a couple of years. I actually, the, uh, I forget what it's called, but the one just before chat GPT. Jasper? Jasper? No, it was in the, it was like chat 2. or GPT 2.0 or whatever. They about a year or two ago, they had put some stuff out that was really interesting about having it write stories. It just wasn't very user friendly, right? So I think what what we really are seeing here with ChatGPT, whether it was I don't know November, December of 2022, where it now became a tool that any of us could just go to a website basically and use, right. and that user friendliness piece is such an important part of of any new technology. So yeah, it kind of exploded, and then of course now everybody's trying to write you know, songs and poems and other, and having some fun with it, which, hey, have your fun. But uh, there, there's some very important questions we need to be asking before we let this out into the wild. Yeah. And I did something last week I posted, as I said, I, I asked ChatGPT to punch itself in the face. I said, what is it that's so bad about ChatGPT? And I made it answer that question. <laughs> Was it honest? <laughs> well, it said, and it actually said that there are, when it comes, like one of the things that it responded with, it, when it comes to branding, if there's a company that has a specific way they want to present their branding, ChatGPT won't necessarily be able to get a grasp on that. Because my argument, especially with copy, 80% of what I do when I get, when I'm working with a copywriting client is research and includes, you know, interviewing their customers and speaking to past customers and current and competitors. And there's so much that goes into that. Can it be done by chat GPT? Well, sure, Google can too. I mean, as far as getting that information. But a lot of the quotes that I get from my interviews is what ends up in the copy. And that's not right. something that chat GPT can do. I mean, sure, could, you could sit there, people don't mind speaking to a robot, but it's not going to be able to pick up on what are 
the emotional triggers for that person. It's always something that, you know, they're looking for. So basically it kind of validated that for me where it's not like you sometimes you just need people. Absolutely. I think that, you know, going back to the idea of chat GPT as a, a BS generator, you know, if you just need words, it's really good at that. And it does it for a lot cheaper than a human being does it. But if you, what, what I hear you saying is it's about the context. It's about the patterns. It's about pulling forth, you know, the words, not necessarily just the words that are used a lot, but the ones that are really inflected and, and what are the themes. I mean, right now, that's, I think, what humans are good at. That might change. You know, maybe there's another AI platform that gets really good at this. I, I, I don't know enough about it about the AI world to know one way or the other. But at least right now, I think the opportunity and maybe one of the few bastions of being a human is our humanness and really kind of our, uh, I, I think one of the best commodities uh, or hottest commodities maybe will be a, a point of view, a perspective. Because that can't be, you know, to hear something you said, you can always write copy. If it's just bland, off the shelf, doesn't have any context, that is easy to write. It's, is this copy from a perspective from a, that's particular, from a point of view that's particular? Good branding copy is inherently from a point of view, right? And so I think that's going to become even much more and more important as we move forward. Yeah, and that's, the, that's my argument as well. And I think people, like I wrote copy, I wrote content for magazines for about 15 years before I switched over to copywriting. They're too vastly different. And just mm -hmm. for listening that, you know, because I get this question all the time. So content is articles and blog posts and, and writing that is created to entertain or inform in general. And then copywriting, there's a purpose to it. There's, you want people to take action, whether it's to buy or to, you know, sign up or uh, try a test, you know, a trial run or something. Um, right. and, and there's a difference in, in the biggest issue is to get into the emotions of that person because we make decisions based on emotion and we justify it with logic. And so there was something, somebody on Reddit had recently posed the question, what is your biggest fear about like 10 years from now? And somebody said, looking across a Zoom or a, a computer, wondering if that person is real or if they're a robot. That's horrifying. <laughs> but it's like, well, that, let's face it, that is actually a very real concern for something like ChatGPT when you really look at how much of our engagement with each other is just over text, right? right? I mean, I spent a lot of my time in the social selling world thinking about tools like LinkedIn. You know, when somebody writes a post sharing perspective, expertise, point of view. And I mean, this is where you could argue, is that content or is that copy? You know, I'm not allowed LinkedIn to be entertained. I'm there for business purposes, so are many other people. Now I have to go, is that, did that person write that, right? Is that really their expertise coming through? And uh, I think that th there's a, I think I saw something recently that spoke to ChatGPT being a trust destroyer. And I think that's true. We'll find other ways of establishing that trust, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a rocky couple of years for sure. Yeah, I had someone show me an article um, recently, and I could tell right right away that it was chat, or at least it was AI, because it was written very generally. You know the terms yeah. used, and there's cliches, and there's 
you know, and the person said to me, well, how would you make this? Like, how would you improve it? And I said, well, you'd have to interview, if it was content, interview real people. When I would write magazine articles in the past, usually most of them opened with a quote. You know, if it was an article right. about health, you know, like I wrote a lot about heart health. A lot of times it opened with somebody who had had a heart attack. You actually get them right into that scene, you know, jump into the action. That's something that, you know, that's, that's what would pull people in. And that's not something you're going to get from, from AI. And the other the thing too is, do you think that um, writers in general should be afraid of this? Like, what do you think is going to happen with companies that are, say, hiring? Because somebody, the reason I asked is somebody had said that they were using chat GPT. I forget even who it was, but it was like a marketing company. And they said, I feel like we, we kind of have it nailed down. And it's like we hired our own writer on staff. And I just cringed. I'm like, is that really? Like, do you think that is a real uh, thing that could happen? I think if a writer is concerned about what the future of their career could look like, I think that would be a very smart writer. Do I think that means that they're going to, to be replaced? Depends on what they do. I mean, this, so saying you're a writer what does that mean? There's so many people who write for a living in so many different contexts doing so many different things. It's, it's the same thing. You know, I said, I work often in the selling field to say like selling is going away is not true. Some kinds are, right? You know, I, there's not a lot of, uh, t uh, appliance salesmen at the local appliance store as much anymore when you can buy your TV from Amazon. I, I do think this is absolutely a challenge to Let's call it a writer who doesn't really have that ability to create deeply contextual copy or content, whatever world you're in. Do I think the mediocre are going to really be find themselves struggling? Probably, right? I mean, I, I think we do a disservice to ourselves. Say like, it's easy when you, you're a writer to want to have that knee-jerk reaction. No, a computer can't replace me. I'm special, right? And, and, and I've seen that a lot. It's from... Writers, you either get this, tech, the technology is bad because it can never replace my quintessential essence of humanity, which makes everything I write super amazing. Or you have the other markers and writers are like, oh, this is going to be sweet. Right. No, it's going to change it. Hey, I'm a drummer, right? So uh, are drummers still around? Absolutely. Have many drummers been replaced because you can get a drum machine that doesn't go too fast, doesn't go too slow, always shows up to practice on time? Yeah. <laughs> And and so to be a drummer is very different now than maybe when I was growing up, which of course was not that far back at all. <laughs> I mean, and that's a very, it's probably a much more nuanced answer than you're hoping for. But yeah, I mean, it's going to change things. I, if I knew how, I'd write a book and make a ton of money. I'd get Chad GPT to help me write it. But I'll, you know, the future is unknowable, right? I think the analogy, I heard an analogy recently about it's like saying that cars are going to take over and no one's ever going to walk again. Like there's always, you're always going to have that choice. You can walk, you can you want to walk that far, but you always have, so now you just have another option. Yeah. It, I think that like, I've been playing around with chat GPT to see, like comparing myself. I had somebody that DM me <laughs> that they'd said, why don't you have one of your clients like do something with chat GPT and then you write the headline and then compare the two. I did that. In fact, I was going to post it because I did headlines with four different headlines that were actual ones I wrote and then ones that ChatGPT wrote. I just wasn't sure if ethically I could do that. If I don't mention 
client's name. I think it's okay. I have to work. So chat GPT is just, you know, these overarching statements. And then mine was geared toward what I heard from their customers. But if sure. you know who I'm writing for and you're not the client, you're not really going to know what I'm talking about because you have to, I wrote it specifically for that client. So it made sense to them. But I think it's just another tool, you know, if you use it right. So I, I both agree and disagree with that statement because uh, I do think it's just another tool. I also think that, especially in this time of great technological change, let's say the last couple of decades, that has become a way of us punting the actual work we need to do about these new tools. I'm just saying, this is a tool that can be used for good or bad. You know, let's not take any judgment on this. And the reality is, is yes, these are tools. They can do some amazing things and they can do some very harmful things. And they have. So, hey, I think if you're a company that just wants to create content, that you don't really care if it's amazing, you're trying to do, like right now, SEO. I think this is going to change SEO completely, by the way. That's either here or there. But hey, why pay somebody to write it if I can just get ChatGPT to like pump out a bunch of free stuff? Eventually, they'll probably start charging for ChatGPT. But for right now, yeah, guess what? That mediocre content creator or digital marketer is, is now out of a job. They have been replaced. So I, I think that's going to happen a lot. And so that's, that's why I do think it's true that this is a powerful tool. But I do think that we need to like, not just go, hey, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, and it is not just you or me, and this is not going to get fixed on a podcast, but this is where I'd love to see society kind of like look into used cars. Cars are amazing, except for climate change and, you know, the thousands of people that die a year in car accidents. And I mean, there's some very serious costs, which maybe as a society, we go, hey, that's okay, because we can get around farther and faster. That's cool, but we need to make that, we need to have those conversations. And we need to do that with ChatGPT. Yeah. Now get off of my soapbox. Well, what do you think is the way to use it? Like if you're a marketer, like just, for example, I'm getting DMs that are obviously written by ChatGPT. I mean, I had somebody reach out to me about copywriting and it was all, I can just tell it was ChatGPT. Like, yeah, I, I, so I, I don't use it. Right. So I, I mean, I've, Tinker, but like I'm, I have no, not interested. And that's not me being a Luddite because I used to know lots of technology all the time. I think it can be very useful for some of these non-contextual things. Like one thing I think is really great for is meeting notes, right? Mm-hmm. Here's a meeting, summarize this, right? You're not being creative at all. You're actually doing some of the really hard kind of mental processes. You know, if I could get get Chad GPT to come and watch my eight-month-old who's crying in the background, that would be even better, right? What what it it can be used, I think, for, you know, some of that that rough draft, you know, that first draft of something you want to write. I think that can be great. I also think though that sometimes we're doing ourselves a disservice by having it do some of the heavy lifting. Cause I don't know about you, but I mean, right, I I forget who said it. Writing isn't uh Writing without editing is just like typing. Like editing is the writing. I don't know. There's something <laughs> much clever there. But it's it's the rewrite. Like, and I'm sure you do this where you kind of grapple with the material. You've you've got these interviews and you're synthesizing it. And you're trying it out. And you're like that doesn't work. And then you try something else. And you're like, oh, that was 
as a human, I respond to that. I know that others will too. You know, when you take shortcuts, you lose out on some of that. So I, I think you have to be pretty discerning. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it for some basic. It's almost like Google. To me, I, I see it like Google for a research. Huh? I was looking for something the other day and I just said, what's the best version of whatever it was? And then they came up with, you know, some other reason. I mean, I, it was the same thing I'd probably get on Google, but it was just more of a narrative about it. Which that is great. I, we just know that it might not be true. That's the only problem, right? Right. There's that. There's that. <laughs> it's like, okay, if this is true, this is great. But I saw something recently. I was looking up what are some of the controversies about it. And somebody had a great point. I'm looking at this article about coding where they put in a code that there was something wrong with it. And I said, why is this wrong? And ChatGPT actually said it's going to, it contains a bug and this is why. And I never thought about that. And it actually told me the person why it's wrong and i thought wow if you're a coder i guess that could be helpful could the pulse from everything on the internet right well that can be very helpful and then you know i know there's a large uh website that's used by coders for i I forget the name of it it's a big one but i'm not in the coding world where i heard the story where that website will not allow anything generated by chat gpt onto their site because people were posting wrong stuff right they're like oh here's some code it works but it didn't the other thing that's also, again, this is so new. Think about cybersecurity. What if you gave ChatGPT some code and said, how would you break this? How would you break into this website that, I don't know, runs a, an electric grid? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, well, yeah, there's no ethics. There's no, there's no thinking behind it. There's just, oh, you give me a prompt? Here's what I think should be next in the sentence or the, in the line of code. So. I don't even trust our robot vacuum. So I'm, you know, <laughs> of anything. Well, what's weird is we have, in fact, I think we disconnected the Alexa the dot thing. And because it was, it was piping up with answers, we weren't even asking it anything. And my husband and I are looking at each other like, where did that come from? Like, is this thing listening to us? So I don't know. I it just, what comes to mind is all those, those sci-fi movies about robots taking over the world. Like, I don't know. I'm, I don't think we're there. I mean, to go back to, you know, are we, should we be afraid of this? I don't think we're at the point where they're going to take over the world. But I do think like us as individuals, and I mean, we're all in a different place, but you have to think like, what are the skills that are going to be useful? Are the skills that I use right now, are they the ones that will be useful? And yeah. things are changing. I mean, I, again, I don't know which ones are going to be the ones that are for sure valuable, but we don't need a whole lot of horseshoers, right? There's not a lot of blacksmiths right? after the car came around, so... Well, just one last question. So as far as, because I know that you you write, you have more than one book about LinkedIn uh, marketing, no? Yeah, so they're networking in the 21st century on LinkedIn, and we've got a couple updated editions of that. So it's in the third edition. And then hyper-connected selling is really the one that looks at more of a, a strategic overview of what's happened with the sales process, which I wrote five years ago, but is actually kind of prescient and I think still is valuable today. Okay. Yeah, I think I have both of those. So, um, but I wanted to ask you, when it comes to, AI and posting on LinkedIn, where do you see it helpful and how should people not use it? The big thing where this isn't, isn't going to help you is the, uh, hey, uh, chat GPT, write me a post about sales mm-hmm. and then just, you know, putting it in there. I think that the one differentiator between like specifically LinkedIn and other platforms, LinkedIn is not a social media site. It is a social networking site. It is the one site where it's really about the connection you're creating with people, not just sharing content. 
And so I do think if you're using ChatGPT to do first draft, to get some ideas, to get some prompts, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And especially for those of us who are busy and maybe aren't people who want to sit down and write a lot, I get that. But, and this is a, this is a big thing, so networking is about relationships. Relationships are built on trust. I mean, this is not a business thing. This is not a digital thing. It's a human thing. You do anything to destroy trust in a relationship, it's going to be really hard to build a relationship. You know, past that, there's the, the whole saying like, you know, it takes years to develop trust and you can lose it in an instant. I mean, the moment I had somebody in my network post something that was, I'm like, wait, that's not you, right? That's something else. I, I mean, I even get a little nervous when it's, for example, an executive who has a ghostwriter or somebody writing for them. I'm like, eh, right? I'm expecting this to be from your mouth. And when it's not, so I, I, I'm very, very, very cautious around suggesting people do it. Because again, we're humans, we're busy. We go, oh, this is easy. I'll just put a, put a, a prompt in chat GPT and boom, I'm ready. Yeah. So. Well, there's a site called Taplio. You've seen that? This one I haven't, no. That one, it's interesting because I know of some people on LinkedIn who use it. And you can, it's everything to do with posting on LinkedIn. And I get inspiration from it, but it's not... Like it tells you, for example, if I put in copyright, it will tell me all the viral posts about copywriting and it'll show the, the original post. And then you can take it. They don't allow you to just you know, copy it, but you can get inspired by it. And I have gotten ideas from it, but I'm arrogant enough to think I could do better. So that's the reason someone stops me because I could, there, there are people that copy just plagiarize other posts. Oh, absolutely. And they think that that's the shortcut and they don't think they're going to get caught. And I know people who have just got... They're, let's face it, their people are just chasing after, you know, virality or reach, or they think that that's how the way they're going to make a ton of cash. And it's just not, you know, that's, that's not a way to not to establish yourself long-term as a successful professional. Now, maybe that's a little wishful thinking on my part, but yeah, everybody who I listen to on LinkedIn, I know like what their perspective is, right? Like I know what their opinion is. I know what they're bringing to the table. Yeah, if you start copying people, I mean, inspiration is one thing. That's that's great. But just be like, oh, I'm going to cut and paste this and call it my own. Please. I've seen that. Yeah. And I've seen people call out people. on. That's embarrassing. <laughs> As I should. They should get called out and embarrassed. Hopefully shamed enough to they don't do it again. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's, it's competitive. And LinkedIn, I mean, it can get tough. You know, I post pretty much every day. Like, I think you do too. I, I do every weekday, yeah. But I see, I don't think it's competitive. I, I just, I do, do your own thing. Speak to the people you need to speak to. It's a networking event with 850 plus million people. You know, if you, if you think that it's a you know, small pie, that's, that's a thinking thing, not a, a LinkedIn thing. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm like, like my competitive, I didn't mean other people as much as just, I compete with myself every day to get up there and to post every day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's for sure. I don't want to. And it's like, all right, just. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been a lot of fun and I really appreciate you taking the time to be on. Where can people find you? Best place to find me on LinkedIn. I'm there. I am there (laughs) every day. Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn.com slash in slash IMD fish, or just go to Amazon, search David JP Fisher and all my books are there. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much. Really appreciate it. Ah, thank you for the invite. This was a blast. 
That wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it as fun to listen to as it was for me to record. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe. And for additional info, visit my website at thecopyworks.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.